0: Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. I love the opportunity to come and to gather for Him Sunday. I like that we do things a little differently this morning. It's good to worship the Lord. Sometimes we strip things away that really helps us just focus and reflect. Amen? It's, it's nice. It's beautiful. I love that opportunity. I'm going to set this here, see how it lasts. This morning, uh, we finished our Ruth series, but we've yet to begin our series next week a teaching and apologetic series called Confronting Christianity. And today, I want to, before we get to that next week, that's more teaching. This is more just straight preaching today. I wanna share a message with you because I feel that the Lord has begun to stir some things and he's stirred them in my heart and I feel in sense that he's begun to stir them in others. And it's something that I've been looking at and questioning as we've been in this season, an exciting season and a God move season, but also a very unique season as a church, not only a church individually as Banner Church, but I would say a church in this nation, uh, the church in America. And this past week, we had a men's night, and it, and it was amazing. We had people get miraculously healed. It, it was absolutely incredible. And something that, as I've been talking with men, not only at that night, but but from that night, is there's a common thread of men who, who I believe love the Lord and who I believe know the Lord, but in many ways have confessed and very honestly, which, man, I respect, right? There's no point in not being honest. we got to be honest if we want to move forward. It's just saying, hey, you know what? I, I know Jesus, but I feel like I'm going through the motions. I know Jesus, but I just feel like I'm going through the motions. Like there was a time when I, I when I was newly saved. Do you guys remember that time for those of you who found Jesus, right? That time when you were newly saved and you would you just be hungry for the word of God. Like, you would wake up early. You're not a morning person, but you'd wake up early and just be in the Word of God before work because it fueled you, and you'd read something in Scripture and be like, oh my goodness, that's like, that's for me. Like, he wrote that for me. That's for me. You'd text somebody and be like, oh my gosh, I was reading. Have you ever read this? And they've been in church for like 20 years. They're like, yeah, man, that's neat, right? But you'd be like, no, this is for me. This is the Word of God for my life. And then, like, you'd go to church, and you hear the pastor preach. You'd be like, oh my gosh, he's preaching to me right you know there was this fire and there was this passion you, you're that guy that would like tell their friends or their co-workers or their family everything God was doing like you know you knew in your heart that people were judging whether or not they would invite you to happy hour based on like what you were going to tell them or if you were going to talk about Jesus because you were just on do you remember that does some of you remember that this morning where you were just, you were on fire and you were hungry. And I've been talking to, to men specifically. They're like, I remember when I, I was just hungry for it. I would show up early to church. I'd be in the front row. I'd be singing at a key. I'd be like waving my hands. I don't even know what I was supposed to do to lift them. So I would just wave them in the air. Like I just don't care. I didn't care what anyone thought of me. I would just be singing, turn your eyes, just way off key. I would just, I had it. I had this passion. I had this fire, right? I had it. I was all in. But now, now, I feel like I'm going through the motions. Maybe some of you are like, I wouldn't say I'm lukewarm because I remember that scripture. <laughs> but I don't have the same passion. I don't have it like I used to have it. I don't have it like I used to have it. I'm a little worn down. I'm a little tired. I'm a little exhausted. Maybe I not really thought about how much the past couple years have taken emotionally. I feel like I'm kind of going through emotions. How many of you would say, don't raise your hand for this, just ask internally. How many of you would say, there is a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are now? Someone asked me that question a year ago. Well, someone, meaning I heard a preacher ask me that question. And it resonated with me. It came to my mind this week, and I thought, some of you need to ask that question. Is there a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are now. And you, you can remember that time, right? I can remember that. And time has passed and things are not really the same. Like you still believe, you still show up to church when it's convenient, you still serve, but maybe just because you feel, feel more guilty leaving Delaney alone in kids ministry, which is fine, we'll take you still. But it's more guilt than passion, right? You lost that fire a little bit. Somewhere down there, like an unwatched barbecue, you have like one coal still burning, but it's not the fire like it used to be. There's a time in your life you were closer to God than you are now. You had it, but now it feels like you lost it. I want to speak to you this morning. and I want to read Psalm 42. It comes from the psalmist, a text by David. It's a very emotional text, and I think it's very identifiable. If you're like me and you remember And I love that David is so real. How many of you come to church just to be real, right? Let's just be real this morning. Psalm 42, 4. I'm going to read out of the NLT this morning. It's a little different. It says, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. Look at that. See if that resonates with you at all. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amidst the sound of a great celebration. Do you feel that? Do you feel that emotion? Can you relate to that? Some of you, you've had such a busy and chaotic life. You haven't even stopped long enough to think, but now that you've paused long enough to think, you're like, oh. I do feel like I had it, and I lost it. I've been so busy, I didn't even recognize that I've been going through the motions. But now what I'm realizing is I feel like I had it. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I had it, but I lost it. Hear me today. If you lost it, but you want to get it back, I'm here to tell you how this morning. Amen? I'm here to tell you what the Word has to say to you about how to get it back this morning. In fact, before we begin this morning, just turn to somebody next to you and just say, "It's time to get it. It's time to get it." Next week, it's all teaching; it's mellow apologetics. This week, it's all preaching. Buckle in; you're about to see the whole Pentecostal shatisa. You know, and yeah, we're gonna fire up the lawnmower just da da, right? <laughs> but it's time to get it. Amen. It's time to get it. let's pray together this morning, Lord God. We thank you and we rejoice. We thank you and we rejoice at your word, that your word is good. We thank you that your spirit is here. Your spirit is here to renew every exhausted, worn down, beat up, and burnout heart. And God, that you love us. You don't guilt us. You're not angry with us. You're just ready to move and renew and restore us this morning. So may our hearts be open to you and what you want to say to us. In Jesus' mighty name, all of God's people said together, amen, 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 amen. Man, I I loved singing hymns today. Did you guys enjoy that? I love our team, our tech team, amazing. Davis, everybody back there, great job. Uh, For those of you who haven't met, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at Banner Church. Thank you. Uh, Man, I'm excited about what God is doing. It's crazy. We've been reflecting on being here for six years. It's been wild. We're about to have our third kid. Been here for six years. Uh, on November fourth, fifth, one of whatever the, what is it, sixth? We're going to be celebrating as a church our fifth birthday, which is awesome. Fifth birthday, you know, here we've launched in here. Our fifth birthday as a church here. Uh, it's exciting to see what God has done, what He continues to do. Uh, I, I, it, it's wild when I look back and think of what God has done in ministry. Uh, I know I might not look like it, but I've served in ministry at churches for the past, you know, 15 years, and my last church that we were at, we served for 13 years at. I served for four years, which is uh, where you run a ministry, but no one pays you, uh, which just how it works, right? you got to build the church. Um but I loved it. I started serving at this church that met in a high school. So I don't know if you've ever done portable church. How many of you have ever done portable church before? Yes, yes, heroes of the faith. Uh, portable church is absolutely wild because, like, unless you've done it, it's so hard to understand. But let me give you a snapshot. Step one, no school is ever designed well for church, ever. I don't know if that's a scheme of the enemy or a pagan world. I don't know what it is. Uh, But it's like, you would assume it has an auditorium, it has classrooms, perfect cake. No, for some reason. It, it's always chaotic, but it's always fun. It's always enjoyable. Literally, some of my favorite times in this church and every church I've worked at before are the times when we were meeting at a school. It is so unifying. It, it, it's awesome. It's chaotic, but it's it's great. Like, there was a time when uh, Sydney and Christian, when we were in the school for this church, they were, like, literally teaching just my kid, and then we got, like, three kids, and we're like, yeah. Now we have, like, 50 kids. We're like, someone serve in kids ministry, right? So it's Flip flops, um, but the it's a ratio. The but it was crazy. I remember when we were in Seattle and we came to this church. And I've been debating on, okay, am I getting back into ministry? You know, what, you know what is our what does our future look like? Uh, we we were dating at the time, my wife and I, and I started serving. And so basically, here's how a Sunday would go. A Sunday would go like this. We would take a trailer that was hooked up to a van. And that sounds nice because we're in the age where vans look cool now, but vans didn't look cool 15 years ago. Usually, the van that you used for church was a van that was deemed unsafe for children. And so they would give those to churches because they wanted a tax write-off, and then you would stake the success of your Sunday on whether that van would run or not. And so what you do is a really brief session of prayer and fasting on the way to get the van, hoping that the mice had not chewed through the wires again, or that someone hadn't let a raccoon in. One of those two things was bound to happen. It was tomato or tomato. And so the guys would go and they would get this trailer early in the morning and they were like so faithful. They would bring it and on the on the, on the back of the van was a big trailer full of these carts and you would roll these carts out in Seattle in the rain and you would push them into their areas and then you'd have to set up an entire church. So everything like, like this, but even more, you'd have to set up. Huge screens, everything. Every, everybody set up. If you Went to that church. You were on the launch team, right? Everybody set up. Like, you guys get better. Get ready for that. Uh, but you were on the launch team, and uh, and you know all these things. We would go and we set up. We do two services. Then you tear down. Then you take everything back. And then you get ready for a, another service that we had at what we called the hub, which sounds cool, which is the trick. But what the hub was, it was a Smurf blue painted. Um, kind of like mechanic shop. Well, it was a mechanic shop. It was attached to a mechanic shop. In fact, you had to roll the garage door up so that the gas fumes wouldn't come in uh, from the mechanic shop and poison all the children. Like, is the spirit moving or are we just dying? You know, who knows? And so we would go and we'd do that service and then we would, you know, we just, all week we'd just be doing stuff and we had this fire, we had this passion, and it's weird when I think about it because we didn't have any of this. Like, I would have cried for something like this. Even when we launched this church, it's like, we didn't. We, when you don't have any of this, right? You don't have the, the sound system. It's like some guy brings the sound system. That's how we launched this church with the guy who brought the sound system for us, right? Uh, you don't really have screens unless the school has it. You don't have spaces. You gotta make, sp- right? It's a ton of stuff. So we didn't have all the stuff, but I remember so distinctly as we were launching this church, and my wife and I were investing into this church is that we didn't have all of this, but we had it. We served, everyone just served with this passion. Everyone just worshiped like they were on fire, right? Right? And it wasn't a churchy setting. It's not like we were all from the south or people were used to going to church and singing, right? This was Washington. This is like pagan homeland, right? More people probably worship Thor than they do Jesus Christ where I'm from, right? And so there was a sense of just longing and hunger. We told everyone we knew about Jesus. We invited everybody we knew to church. There was just, it was who we were. And so because we were on fire, the church grew. And we did, we went from a, school to a little building, and then went from a little building to a bigger building, and then that was about the time that multi-site church began, and so we did multi-site church, and I was in charge of communications, which meant it was my job to go to the churches and make sure everything was getting dispersed so that when you went to one of our churches, it looked, felt, it was exactly like every other one of the churches. I mean, there was like, a different worship leader, but it was the same worship songs. Everything was pretty much the same. And the goal was hey, God's moving, God's doing something, let's make sure it's going everywhere else. And the wild thing was, is that I would walk into one campus and I'd be like, wow, this church has it. People are serving, people are friendly, people are passionate, people are packing the altar, people are hungry for something. You can just, you can feel it. And then you'd walk into another campus, same church. Same songs, same message, and they didn't have it. People didn't really serve. You had to keep telling them why. They didn't really worship. They stood just kind of staring straight at the worship leader with angry eyes as if this is what heaven's going to look like. I'll give you some passages from Revelation. It's going to look a lot different. So one church would have it and one church wouldn't have it. And you could feel it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You can feel it when you walk in. Like, this church has it. And it doesn't matter how many people are on the stage, right? You can see who has, what, what has it, what doesn't have it. And so my wife and I, our job was for one of the campuses to that lost it, was to go and help them find it, which is a crazy job. Apparently, it's what I do in life. <laughs> and uh, and so we went, and we went to this, and it had uh, 60 people. You know, the church was a big church, but the campus had 60 people, 70 people. And we went. And uh, we moved them. We moved this church from a really nice performing arts center to an elementary school, and just got absolutely blasted for it. Absolutely blasted. People scr- people screamed at me. I kid you not. From being portable at a performing arts center to portable at an elementary school. I'm leaving. You'll never see my tied dollars again. Like I don't see them now. See you later. Right. <laughs> But God was leading us, and I said, no, we got to get it. We got to get it back. We got to get that passion. We got to get that fire. We got to get that hunger, and we did, and we did. And you could feel it. You could feel it when a church has it, when people have it. When we look at Scripture, we see in Revelation chapter 3, there's a church called the Church of Sardis. Someone say Sardis. And the church thought they had it, but they didn't have it. So if you've got your Bible, open with me to Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. Revelation chapter 3. It says this. This is the Lord speaking. This is Jesus speaking here. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains. and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they're worthy. The one who's victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I'll never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." He sensed the urgency in this message, church. If you do not wake up. Now, we are not in Sardis, but I think the character of God rings true. And I think in many ways he is calling the same message to his church today. Because he longs for his church to wake up. The church in Sardis, they had an outward spiritual busyness, right? They had an outward, he says, you have this outward appearance. They had an outward spiritual busyness, but they had an inward spiritual detachment. Outward, they had the looks. They had the scripture in the bio. But if you scrolled too far into the pictures, come on, you'd be like, hmm, <laughs> that scripture breaks down. Inward, they were empty. They call themselves Christians. There's many, I think in this country, there's many people who call themselves Christian because they were brought up maybe in a Christian home, or they feel like that's some kind of code for being a good person, and they know enough of Jesus to fake it, but not enough of Jesus that it's going to change their life. They think that they have it, but they really don't, and that's what the people of Sardis thought. Now, Sardis is a city that that would be in modern-day Turkey. It was once the capital of the Lydian Empire, which was a really grand, wealthy empire. It was one of the places uh, that that they figure coined money was invented, so you got to be pretty wealthy to invent money as your main thing, right? So a very wealthy city, a very well-to-do city, and it was a very strong city. It was surrounded by sheer cliffs. In fact, one of the historians, Polybius, said it, it was the strongest spot in the world and on top of the cliff was an acropolis that sat 1700 feet up and it was such a great uh, setup strategically that it had never been conquered so let me show you a couple photos one of them is a rendering this is what it would have looked like uh, today or, sorry, uh, back then. That's what it would look like back then. Copyright and all. Back then, that's what it would have looked like uh, in an artist rendering. You can see, can you guys see the cliffs there? You see the the wall going up, and at the very top, it points up. There's an acropolis that sits on the top of that hill. Okay. Then the next photo. This is kind of what it looks like now. You see the same shape of the hill. Everyone with me? Same shape of the hill. It lo- looks beautiful. Honestly, it looks gorgeous. Uh, but no massive city. They're just now unearthing layers and layers and layers and layers of this city. And so Sardis was besieged, never conquered, and its inhabitants were historically known to be secure, to be comfortable, to be wealthy, and complacent. And in history, There's a story of when the army of Cyrus comes to this city that has been besieged but never conquered, and the people think, well, we're fine. Like, we've been besieged, never conquered, right? It's kind of like when you were a kid and you did stuff, and eventually you just felt invincible. Like, I'm going to keep jumping off this, and if I never get hurt, I'm invincible. And then one time you jump too far, right? This is the people of Sardis, right? They're like, we're fine. And so what happens is the army, Cyrus' uh, army is camped out outside, and his soldiers are watching the Acropolis 1,700 feet up. And what they see one night is one of the guards loses his helmet over the wall of the Acropolis and down 1,700 feet, which is a major loss. <laughs> and you're going to get in trouble. And he was probably asleep, which means he might die. So what does he do? He climbs down 1,700 feet, scales down to get his helmet. And Cyrus' the soldiers are watching this going, okay, yep, thank you. Perfect, we'll go right there. Yep, okay, yep, yep. And he gets his helmet, and history says he climbs back up, and the soldiers of Cyrus watch him, and they go, great, that's what we'll do. And so one of the... The soldiers, the enemy soldiers, climbs up the way he just showed them, right, and goes in to the city, opens the gate. The army comes in and takes over the city immediately. You think, well, they got to have learned from that. Ironically, no, because 300 years later, also still complacent, also still asleep, another soldier scales the mountain, goes in, opens the gate, feels like they should put a lock on it, just saying, opens the gate, lets the army in. Why? Because they were asleep. The people of Sardis were defeated because they were complacent, they were comfortable, and they were sleeping on the job. They were asleep. Scripture speaks to the church in Sardis, says they had lost it. They had it, they lost it, but what had happened? They had become complacent, they had fallen asleep, and that's why Jesus says, wake up! Strengthen what remains. I believe Jesus is speaking to his church today and he's saying it's time to wake up. There was a time that you had it, but you lost it. If you were honest, you would say you are not as close today as you were then, but you're willing to say it's time to wake up. So why are you so passionate about this? I'm excited for the teaching series where you calm down a little bit. No, it's still gonna be excited then too. I'm passionate because I've lived this. I've had this in my own life, just an indescribable passion for Jesus, a fire for Jesus. Man, when we came to Arizona, it was not easy to, to say the least of the least, not easy. But when we came, I had such a passion. When we left, you know, my last day in my house, uh, my, my living room was, you know, way, it was like not even as big as this whole stage. And we gathered with like 25 of my friends, and we had our guitars, and we were just worshiping God and singing. Some of you guys were there, and you've moved down since that. And we were just like crying out to God, crying out to the Lord, hungry for God, hungry for His Word, reading and fasting and praying. And we came down, and things were really Hard, harder than advertised, and uh, and we came down and we were just in it. And I remember being like, "Listen, that's okay because I, we are just we're on fire for the Lord, and I want to live a life that's only explainable by the Holy Spirit. That's my whole mission. Is I want to live a life that when my kids look back on my life, they either have to leave out huge chunks of my human existence, or they have to say yes, that was God, like undeniably so. So we're like, let's go for it, and we were on fire. My wife, she would like me people like in Target. I remember there was this one day where there was a woman in Target and you're like, her kids were freaking out. And you picked up her kids and you were like holding her kids and praying with her and interceding over her life and leading her to Jesus. And I remember thinking like, this is crazy, right? We're just on fire. And I remember I'd go to the store, I'd go, I still have all these friendships around here with all people in our, in areas with, doesn't matter what business, because I would just go in there and I would share life and love and passion. And I just felt like man if the Holy Spirit was upon me you couldn't help but be near me and just have the Holy Spirit do something in your life I just felt like I had it and 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 I lost it And it was right about the time when we started meeting again from COVID or after you know we could start meeting to COVID and I kind of had this thought where I was like man I've powered through, but I'm exhausted. Anyone feel like that? Like, man, I made it work, but it didn't work, right? It was like, it didn't work for me. I was making it work. We had mission, vision. God did amazing things. I don't regret that, but I was just tired. I, I was frustrated. I remember there was one week I had someone uh, call us up, say they're leaving the church because we didn't call them quick enough uh, when, when COVID hit And I was like, yeah, but we, had, we adopted a child that day I couldn't call you And they're like, well, that's just not enough for me I need a pastor who's going to pastor me And I said, okay, all right You guys say, wow, like that doesn't happen all the time. But I love that you don't think that happens all the time. I love you guys because you're amazing. And that's why I love this church because you wouldn't do that. Uh, (laughs) But I just remember being overwhelmed in that space and being like, oh, my gosh, everything's crazy. And what I did is I just kind of powered through. Where my power through people at? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, you know what? If I can get it, I'm going to get it till I die. (laughs) And what I realized is that I was putting in the work, but that fire had faded. I was going through the motions, but the mission had begun to disappear from my daily life. Not from my spoken Christianese life, right? Like, I, I read scripture, but to feed others. I prayed, but for others. But not to feed myself like I used to. Not me and Jesus. And I was like, man, I had this moment where I stepped back and I was like, man, Jesus, I'm your employee. I'm not your friend. Not that he did anything, but that I had changed that. I had gone through the motions, but I had let that fire die down. And I say that because I want you to hear the things I'm saying in this sermon, not as an attack on where you are right now, but as an encouragement that God can light the fire in your spirit again. That if you've had it and you've lost it, the Holy Spirit can bring it back today. That's why I'm passionate. That's why I'm on fire, because I believe the church needs to wake up. Some of you, you're just now waking up and like, wow, yeah, I have built a bubble in my life. My life is about me and my little circle going through our emotions and being about us. That's what it's about right now. I had it, but I've lost it. Can I, just, can I be honest with you this morning? I want to be honest with you because I love you. I love this church. I love all of you. You are a blessing from God. If you've lost it, you can't stay there. It's dangerous. You got to get it back. So what do you do when you had it, but you feel like you lost it? I'll give you three things from Revelation 3. I bet you never thought there was an encouraging message in Revelation, but there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. Here it is. First thing, remember it. Look to your neighbor say, remember it. Revelation 3.3 3 says, remember, therefore, remember therefore what you have received and heard remember therefore what you have received that word remember literally in greek means remember and respond it's two words in one it's a continual act it's not just think about it it's think about it and let it change you constantly psalm 77 the writer says i will remember the deeds of the lord yes i will remember your wonders of old I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Some of you, you got to remember. Some of you, today is the day you need to remember. I know you're looking forward. I know you're looking to the future. But man, I think right now you just need to remember. What's going to light the fire is you remembering. Remember what you were before Christ. Remember what he brought you out of. Remember what he rescued you from. Remember when you were lost. Remember when the depression was so great and the lies and the deception of the enemy was so great that you didn't even know what was true, let alone how to lean on truth. Remember when you were trapped in addiction and remember when you cried out to God and remember when he heard you and remember when he lifted you up and remember when he restored your mind. Remember when he restored your body. Remember when he, remember, remember. Remember when you lived in fear. Remember when you would go and you would check your bank account and say, there's no way we're making it. And then remember how he provided. Remember when you were sick and remember how he healed your body. Remember how he healed your family. Remember how he healed your mind. Remember how he broke those chains. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember when he broke your chains? Do you remember when he took away the labels of shame over your life? Do you remember when your identity was an absolute mess? It wasn't a message. It was an absolute mess. It was an absolute trash can, not a testimony, right? You know what I'm talking about? And God came in when you were being kicked around by the schemes of the devil in the world, and he gave you an identity, remember. Remember when God gave you purpose. Remember when he called you to greater things. Remember when he cared for you. Remember at your lowest. Remember your lowest. Do you remember it? Remember what it felt like? Remember what it smelled like? Remember what it sounded like? Remember when he brought you in? Remember when he comforted you? Do you remember when no one cared, but he cared? No one gave you a chance, but he did. Remember. Remember. Remember what you have received and heard. Man, I remember when I was so hurt and frustrated and so angry. I remember that time in my life. I remember when I felt like nobody cared. Felt like my heart was just hard and angry. And I remember when God came in and comforted me. I remember when God healed me. And I remember when God gave me a soft spirit and a gentle heart. I remember when God changed me. I remember when God took me from someone who was just angry and furious. Could start a fight at anything to the kind of person that would cry when his daughter does something, right? I said, Red Robin the other day. My daughter's like, you want to play tic-tac-toe with me, Papa? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) What is that? That's not me. That's the Lord. Remember? I don't know what it is for you, but can I just encourage you? Remember. 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 Hear me, church. Remember it. Remember it. Not only remember it, finish it. Finish it. Revelation 3:2, he says, Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Now, that's not that you've not done enough to earn your way into heaven. That is not what he's saying. He's saying, there's things that I've called you to do, church, that you have not done. Wake up, strengthen what remains. Your deeds are unfinished. Listen, if you had it, and you lost it, and you wonder where it went, maybe it's because you didn't do it when he called you to do it. God prompted you to do it, and you didn't do it. God led you to confess it. He convicted you to confess it and share it and to let it go, but you didn't do it. I know it's quite enough that's hidden. God told you to trust him. He said, trust it to me, but you kept controlling it. God told you to ask for help in it, but you said, no, I'm going to do my own thing with it. I don't know what it is for you generosity your heart i don't know what it is maybe it's a person maybe god told you to break up with it right all your friends that believe in god you have have animosity towards so now you don't have any community right because they all know you should leave it and leave it behind because it's no good It's time to go. I mean, I'm sure your friends love having four, five, six-hour-long conversations about this guy who's absolutely trash. I'm sure they wouldn't much rather, like, go to the fair or play Frisbee. I'm sure they love talking about this dude that's garbage and keeps coming back and causing the same problems. Can I just say, if God told you to leave it, leave it. God told you to be generous with it. Be generous with it. God told you to serve with it. Serve with it. God told you to let it go. Guess what? gotta let it go how are you gonna get a hold of it how are you gonna let that fire stir up if you're still holding on to something else for me I remember a time in my life where I was holding on to a fence and I wondered why I didn't feel near to God and it was because I was holding on to bitterness anyone ever been there I was holding on to past experiences they were holding me back because I was holding them back from God I couldn't give it to Him. can't get it until you finish it so I had to make that call Which isn't a fun call. Just say, hey, I've been holding on to this. I've been holding on to it. I need to let it go. Some of you, it's something. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe it's confessing the porn problem in your life. Maybe it's uh, you've been holding back everything you make from the Lord. Maybe for you, it's coming back to church. I don't mean like you're unable to. I'm so thankful for online, for people who are unable to attend in person. But I mean you're unwilling to be about it, to come to it. And I can I just encourage you today, finish it. Finish it. Finish it. Not only remember it, finish it. What has he called you to do? Some of you, it's like it's in your mind right now. Write it down that you don't leave this place and forget it. Because you gotta finish it. You gotta reconcile it. You gotta let it go. You gotta get over it. You gotta forgive it. But you gotta finish it. Maybe he's called you to do a ministry. Some of you God's put a ministry on your heart. You're like, I don't know if I feel close to God. It's because you have been like Jonah, you've just been in this space of, I don't know. I'm running. I'm running. You gotta finish it. Third thing. Still with me? Hold it. Hold it. Not like hold it, stop, but hold it like in your hands. Revelation 3 3 says, Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. Whew. The word is strong. Hold it fast and repent. You hold close what's important to you, right? The other day I, uh, I had Lucy, and, or sorry, I had Lucy. The other day I was home and Lucy was home and I was having a tough day and I was frustrated and sometimes my daughter is like the best therapy dog, right? She just senses <laughs> when things are wrong. She's like, Like, what is it, girl? All right? Uh, But she's just, she's very caring and loving. And so I was having a hard day, and she came up to me, and, you know, she's like her mom. She can just tell when things are wrong, and she's just good at showing love and care. And so she just runs up to me, and, you know, she's getting big, so you got to do that. Now, before you just bend and pop them up, now you got to do, like, the pop squat. You know, you got to fire them up. It's like lift, caring for your children is like mini CrossFit. And so... So I got her up, and I got her, and I just, like, hugged her, right? That kind of, like, the good hug. Not the, like, hug where they want something, or the hug, and then they want to go do something. But, like, the good, you know, dads, you know what I'm talking about, right? With your daughters. When you, like, hug your daughter, some of your daughters, are like, I need to go hug my dad, right? Like, when you hug your your daughter, and she, like, really hugs you back, and you're like, I'm never letting another man hug you ever, right? You know, there's just this, it just rises up inside of you. But there's this incredible moment where I'm just holding her just everything began to feel better as I held her, just like one of the most precious things to me, one of the most precious things in the whole world. She changed my life. I just held her because I hold close what's important. Jesus invites you, He says, Hold close what have you received? You've received the gospel. You've received new life. You've received the Holy Spirit. He says, hold it close. God says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. He says, I'm near. Come in close. Hear me today, church. If there was ever a moment, now is the moment to run to God. If you feel far from God, run to him. Hold him close. Draw near to him. He will draw near to you. Hold it. Remember it. Remember it. Finish it. Finish it. Hold it. See, Sardis had fallen asleep. Band, you can come up. Sardis had fallen asleep. They were spiritually dead, though they were outwardly spiritual. But it says in scripture there was a remnant. Did you know, church, there's always a remnant? There's always a few, and it is amazing what God can do with a few. Sometimes I think God waits till there's just a few, so that He can make sure we don't take the credit for it, right? that we don't get complacent, that we don't get caught. Sometimes I think he says, okay, you know what? See what I'm going to do. Send home the army, Gideon, so that I can move. And so when I move, you don't take any credit for it. People say to me all the time, are you worried about the country? Are you worried about the future of the church? Sure, I worry all the time. That happens. <laughs> I try not to, but let's be honest. I think about the future. But am I worried about the state? Am I worried about their survival of the church? Heck no. Why? Because there's always a remnant. If what's happening in Iran has taught us anything, right, it's that a, God can do a lot with the remnants. If what's happening in, in, with church movements around the world tells us anything, it might be that, man, we need to get a little more uncomfortable so that we can get a little more spirit-filled. It's crazy how people in a comfortable church will be like, I don't need the spirit, and then people in an uncomfortable country will be like, I need the spirit, send him now. Right? <laughs> I need him. I'm not worried, why? Because there's a remnant and hear me, I don't care. If you feel like the smallest, most insignificant person, here's what's amazing, that's not how God sees you. God sees you, God knows you, and he calls you. David was such a small, insignificant person in the eyes of the world, and yet God used him to slay giants. You might be the one to slay giants in your family. You might be the one who goes in to your school and you have it and you give it away. You might be the one who goes into your family and you have it and you give it away. And your family, they might even mock you. They might not even like it. They might not even receive it. But guess what? You just begin to love like Jesus. And when you love like Jesus, it's contagious. They begin to catch it. They begin to notice it because it changes everything. Hear me, church. If you had it and you lost it, God wants you to get it back today. Remember, David, remember what we read at the beginning? He said, my heart is breaking is I remember how it used to be. My heart is sad. I'm discouraged by how it used to be. What do I do? He says, I put my hope in the Lord, and I praise God again. What does Jesus say in Revelation 3? He says, wake up. Church, I hope you hear me preaching today. When I say to you, God is calling us, church, wake up. God is speaking to the church in America, and he's saying it's time to wake up. It's time to strengthen what remains but is about to die. Wake up, church. Wake up that little fire that's about to go out. Wake up your passion. Wake up your time in God's Word. Wake up your worship. Don't let this be a dead, stagnant thing. Wake it up. Wake up your schedule. Wake up in your job. Wake your friends up. Wake your family up. Wake your city up. Church, it's time to wake up. When we do Presence night tonight, we're singing songs about, guess what? Waking up! Because you've been called. You've been chosen. You've been set apart. You've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. Hear me. This is not because of some great human effort. This is because the Holy Spirit is upon you. you don't, you're don't. you not going to magically walk out of church today and have more hours in a day. You're not going to walk out of church today and all of a sudden forget everything that's happened in your past and all of your exhaustion. It's like, well, I guess I don't care about that anymore. No, it's because the Holy Spirit wants to move upon your life today and to restore you and to renew you you know the Holy Spirit right that you did not receive a spirit of fear but you received the spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the grave that that Holy Spirit is upon you that he's anointed you to preach good news that he's anointed you to bring life to the dead he's anointed you to heal the sick he's anointed you to bring hope to the hopeless and Jesus is saying wake up church wake up the world is going to hell and we're stuck in our bubbles Right? We argue about the dumbest things and God's saying like, man, we're more, we're more worried about promotions, vacations, and politics than we are about the calling to lift the name of Jesus high. And he says, wake up! We got a calling! We have an anointing! We have a purpose! We have a mission that is greater than anything! Wake up! Tell somebody next to you, if you're ready, if you're ready to be Pentecostal today, and you're like, wait, what are we saying? Tell somebody next to you it's time to wake up! turn to somebody else say let's wake up if you're ready to wake up I think we should maybe just stand up if you're ready to wake up why don't we just stand up this morning if there is a time you were closer to God than you are now I just want to tell you today remember it finish it hold it if you were you're in that place you're just being honest church why come to church if we're not going to be honest and have transformation so it's not about information it's about transformation and that's by the power of the Holy Spirit if you'd say, it's closer then than I am now, I'm just gonna ask you to invite the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, wake me up. You can call it a rededication. You can call it an awakening. You can call it renewed faith. You can call it, I'm going all in. I don't care what you call it. But as a church, I believe God's calling us to wake up. Those who don't know what I'm talking about, you're like, this is pretty weird. What is it? What are we waking up? Man, I just need you to know today that when you've been changed, by Jesus Christ, you can't stay the same. That's why we want to wake it up. Because when you've been forgiven and healed, you can't go back. Jesus, the Son of God, who is without sin, died in our place so that we would be forgiven. And that when we call on his name, we are made brand new. We don't want to go back to how it was. We want to step into where God's calling us. But if you're here today and you're saying, Holy Spirit, would you wake it up within me today? I want to pray for you. Normally we do eyes closed, head bowed. But today we're doing, we're all in it together. So if you're here today, on the count of three, I'm just going to invite you to lift your hands. I want to pray for you before we sing this and fix our eyes on him. But you're saying here today, I'm waking up. God, wake me up this morning. One, if you're saying, I, I want to remember it. Two, I'm ready to finish it. Three, I want to hold on to it. Would you lift your hands and say, God, wake it up inside of me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wake it up. See us waking up, God. Stir it up in us. Wake it up in us. Wake it up in us, God. Wake us up in our family. Wake us up. We pray for you right now. God, wake us up in our jobs. Wake us up in our schedules. Wake us up in our communities. We've not received a spirit of fear to shrink back, but to press forward. God, we've received the Holy Spirit that makes a way. In fact, I speak to those whose hands are raised in their flesh, they're weary. In their flesh, they are burnt out, broken down, discouraged. I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would lift them up. God, that fire for prayer, God, where they just felt like they could pray for anybody, they would just pour it out. I pray you would stir that up by your strength in our Our weakness, your strength is glorified. God, glorify yourself in this church this morning, God. We pray right now, Holy Spirit. I pray, wake us up, stir a fire. We don't want to be Sardis. We don't want to be complacent. We don't want the enemy to come in the night. We want to be ready. We want to see a move. We want to see a change. We want to see Scottsdale come to Jesus. We want to see the valley shaken to its core by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to see demons flee. We want to see families restored. We want to see addiction broken. We pray, stir it up in us this morning. We don't want a church of stagnant worshipers. We want a church that looks like heaven. We want to break some chandeliers off in this place, God, because we long for your spirit to move and to fall. We aren't saved by just rhythm and ritual. We're saved by relationship with you, we pray, stir up a fire this morning. I pray when you send us from this place, you would send us as people with a fire, a fire, and a passion in our hearts this morning, God. We pray, stir it up. Holy, just even right now, just say, Jesus, stir up. Holy Spirit, work in my heart, work in my heart, work in my heart this morning. Let's just sing this this morning together. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.